Good morning, brothers and sisters. Uh, so grateful to be here with you guys this morning virtually. For those of you who don't know me, my name is Chris Lamoa, and my wife and I lead the team ministry out here in Riverside. And I'm so excited to be able to share the scriptures with you guys. Um, so the, the, the topic for this morning is priorities. Priorities. And, you know, thinking about priorities, all of us have priorities in our lives. Things that we deem more important than others. You know, we, we prioritize things like making sure we pay our bills on time. We prioritize helping our kids with their homework and making sure they have good grades. We prioritize family time and, and, and mental health days. And I don't know about you guys, though. Every time I think about priorities, though, I, I also think about how sometimes I can mix up some of my priorities. And this is something I've been learning so, so clearly in my relationship with my wife, Lois, because one thing that I've learned from her is, the priority that I got to make sure I put first is sleeping with her in the bed physically at night. Because if I don't, she will not be able to go to sleep for some reason. I could I could literally be in the room with her sitting in a chair and she would just not be able to go to sleep. But I remember this one night, I totally mixed up my priorities because it was it was a Friday night and I really wanted to play some video games. And uh, I know that at night I, I got to be able to prioritize just being with her physically in the bed. But I really, really wanted to play. So I asked her, I was like, babe, can I, can I play, please play some, some video games today? And she was like, no, I don't know. Can, can you please just kind of lay with me and just, we just hang out? But I could hear my PS4 behind me kind of calling my name. So I was kind of begging her like, ah, please, 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 let me please play. And eventually she said, okay. Um, he can play, but I could tell she was kind of discouraged a little bit. And, um, but I was like, I, 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 I really want to play. Just, I know I, men out there who are listening. I know that was my, that was a big mistake, but I ended up playing. And so I was playing and I remember hearing her behind me saying like, babe, when are you going to be finished? Are you almost done? And I was like, oh, one more game, one more game. But I just kept playing nonetheless. And finally I, I finished my last game and I won, by the way. So I was all, excited and hyped up and it, I turn off the PS4 and I, and I turn around and she's just laying there on the bed crying. I'm like, babe, like what's going on? And apparently she just had the worst day and she was looking forward uh, to me just uh, being there with her and, and talking and hanging out. And I felt so horrible. I was like, oh my gosh, I'm like the worst husband ever. I, I totally misprioritized it, uh, that night. And, and the reason why I share this is I think oftentimes we can misprioritize things when it comes to our relationship with God, can't we? Like we can focus on, on other things that aren't necessarily bad, just not what God wants us to focus on in that moment. Does that make sense? So turn your Bibles with me to Haggai chapter 1. This is going to be our, our theme passage for, uh, for today. And this is one of, of the 12 books known as the Minor Prophets, kind of a fancy name, Minor Prophets. And just a little context and background. Uh, just so that we're all on the same page as we come into this passage, is the book of Haggai took place after the Babylonian exile. So after the Israelites were taken into captivity, now the Israelites are back. They're back in Jerusalem. They're back in their homeland. And when they first came back, they saw that God's temple, right, God's, God's house was just demolished because the Babylonians, before they were taken into captivity, the Babylonians totally just wrecked it and they tore it apart. So when the Israelites came back after captivity, they started to rebuild this temple. They started to rebuild God's house. But because of uh, some, some backlash and 
and, and different things, different people opposing them that we're not going to go into today just for the sake of time. You can read about this in, in Ezra, in the book of Ezra. The whole project, the whole rebuilding of the temple, the project was put on hold. So now 14 years have passed. 14 years since the project was put on hold. Israel, their, their priorities kind of got mixed up. And enter stage left, Haggai comes, the prophet of God comes and redirects them to, to help them see, okay, these are what you guys truly should be focusing on. And the three things that I believe God was trying to get the Israelites to reprioritize were these three things that are going to be my three points this morning. And for those of you who are taking notes, I'm going to, I'm going to tell you guys now to kind of help you guys um, in your note-taking and to help follow along with the lesson this morning. But the first priority, build God's house. Number two, bring honor to the king. Number three, cling to God's presence. And, and this is kind of where we come in. Although God was speaking to the Israelites, it is my hope and my prayer that we can see that thousands of years later, these priorities should be ours as well. You guys with me? Amen. So before we dive into it, let's, let's pray and then we'll get started. God, thank you for this time. It's just to be here with my family virtually. God, I pray they can open up our hearts to your message. That you can speak through me and help me say what you want me to say. But God, I'm so grateful for this time. And I pray that this whole uh, worship service can bring you glory and honor. I love you. And I pray all these things in your son Jesus' name. Amen. So point number one is build God's house. That was the very first priority uh, that we see in Haggai chapter 1. So in Haggai chapter 1, in verse 1, this is what it says. In the second year of King Darius, on the first day of the sixth month, the word of the Lord came to the prophet Haggai to Zerubbabel, son of Sheetil, governor of Judah, and to Joshua, son of Josedach, the high priest. This is what the Lord Almighty says. These people say, so let's pause there real quick. God here is talking to the Israelites, and those were his people. But he says here, these people say, I know when I'm in trouble when Lois says my full name, Christian. i like, oh my goodness, I'm about to get it right now. But now here God says, these people, you know he's going to throw the hammer down. He says, these people say the time has not yet come to rebuild the Lord's house. So the people of Israel, for some reason, didn't think it was the, the right time for a variety of different reasons. Maybe they thought, you know, the work was going to be difficult or it was going to take a lot of time and energy. So their excuses, we could, we could write them down in a list. But let's pick up in verse 3. Then the word of the Lord came to the prophet Haggai. Is it a time for you yourselves to be living in your paneled houses while this house remains a ruin? So God here uh, sarcastically questions these people. He says, I see all the renovations that you've been doing in your home, right? The, the panel, the fancy panel work that you, you have inside. But why is my house still unbuilt? And while the Israelites, their homes and their lives grew in luxury, the house of the Lord remained desolate. And remember, God is speaking to a group of people who were initially fired up about building his house, right? When they first came out of Babylon, they're like, let's go rebuild. But 14 years have passed, and slowly but surely during that time, they begin to prioritize their own lives, their own comfort, their own paneled houses, rather than rebuilding God's house. And they spent all this time and energy making their lives as sparkly and clean as possible, while God's temple was still incomplete. 
And God, through the prophet Haggai, was trying to get them to see, I want you to focus on my house, on, on my temple. You know, church, how often can we misprioritize just like the Israelites here? You know, Harry Truman, if you don't know who he is, he was the 33rd president of the United States. And Truman had a, had a lifelong rule to write to his wife every time he was away from her for a long period of time. And, and historians, they found these, these letters. And since then, they kind of made them into a book. You can actually buy the book. It's called Dear Bessie on, on Amazon. But historians have, have studied these letters and hope to find some new light on our, on our nation's political history. But what's, what's more impressive here that I want us to see is during the time where the president was dealing with some of the most powerful leaders of the world, he took time to write to his wife. What a, what a testament to where his priorities were. He understood that building up his marriage, building up his marriage was something he valued more than his job. And he, he was president of the United States. A lot of jobs that were important, being president was pretty important. But he understood that he needed to build up his marriage no matter where he was. And although we don't have a physical temple, like the Israelites that were called to build, we all play a role in building up the kingdom of Jesus, don't we? And I know just like President Truman, though, we probably have other things that we could be building up that are probably important, right? Like in the United States. But all of us have other aspects of our life that we're building up that are not God's temple. For the Israelites, they prioritize their paneled houses. But what is it for you? Are, are you too busy building up your own house or the kingdom of Jesus? Are you, are you busy building your, your career or, or relationship or, or, or building yourself up? And I want to I wanna make sure I say this too to clear the air. I'm not saying that if you're renovating your house, if you put some new carpet at your house, like I don't want you to feel guilty. I don't think these things are bad in themselves, but it's just where are they in your list of priorities? Are you prioritizing other things other than the kingdom of Jesus? Because this is what it says in Matthew 6, verse 33. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. And notice how there's nothing in there about us, right? It's not seek first my kingdom and my righteousness and all these things that I want will be given to me. No, it's seek first. Jesus' kingdom, seek first his righteousness and all these things will be given to you as well. And as Christians, we are called to build God's kingdom through preaching Jesus. You look around this church, people are itching to know Christ. Behind the, the, the political and the opinionated and the cultural walls that many of the people of the world, but also many of us in the church can put up, all of us in our hearts want to know Christ because all of us need hope. All of us, all of us need, need peace. All of us need a savior. All of us need Jesus. All of us need to be enamored by just his love and his, his mercy to sit and to, and to learn at his feet. To be inspired by his goodness and his strength and just to, to fall in love with, with who he is and, and what he did on the cross. Jesus, are we prioritizing building Jesus's kingdom? You know, I want to share about my uh, my buddy Nick Worthington. He, uh, if you don't know who Nicholas Worthington is, he uh, used to be teen in the teen ministry, 
but has now since transitioned to the campus ministry as a freshman. But I remember uh, when I when I first met Nick as a sophomore in high school, he directly opposed the church, the Bible, is everything. He just was totally against it. The only reason why he showed up was because his parents came to church. And I remember that the very first kind of Bible discussion, I'm sure, Nick, you're watching, you're probably cringing because I literally tell this story all the time. But um, the very first Bible discussion we, we had together, we had like an argument about the existence of God, like literally like apologetic type argument. And I remember leaving it, leaving that conversation. It's like, man, I don't, I don't think he's ever gonna want to know God. I, I, told, I don't know if I scared him away, but um, me and some other brothers just kind of kept going after him, kept sharing about who Jesus is, Jesus is, and and what the Bible says. And four years, four years of of arguments, but also wrestling and also loving, and then sharing Jesus. And Nick slowly but surely fell in love with Christ. And just a couple of weeks ago, he, he made Jesus Lord of his life. And here's a picture. He's, he's the guy in the middle. But where are your priorities? Are you prioritizing building Jesus's kingdom? Because sharing and preaching Jesus is how we can build God's house today. This should be a priority. And I have one little practical to leave you guys with. Because I know it's hard. I know it's hard. We, there's so many things that we can be focusing on and building up. But I want to leave you guys just one thing that, that kind of helps me in my walk uh, when it comes to making sure that I build Christ's house is just this one practical. Don't be distracted. Don't be distracted. And what do I mean by this? You see, the Israelites, they were kind of distracted with their paneled houses, right? They're so focused on that specific thing that they wanted to build that God's house was just kind of on the back burner. I think we can get distracted as well, and we got to be able to make a decision to be men and women who has Jesus at the forefront of our minds. Don't be distracted. And this could be a whole sermon just on this one point, but i, I got to move on. Uh, so let's continue reading. Uh, pick up in verse 5 in Haggai, the, the second point, the second priority that, uh, that God here uh, reminds the Israelites to have is to bring honor to the king. Bring honor to the king. So in verse 5, this is what it says. Now this is what the Lord Almighty says. Give careful thought to your ways. You have planted much but harvested little. You eat but never have enough. You drink but never have your fill. You put on clothes but are not warm. You earn wages only to put them in a purse with holes in it. So God continues to expose the hearts of the Israelites here. And the way that he describes them, they're kind of almost in this continuous state of of dissatisfaction and, and discontentment. God says, okay, you guys eat, but you're never full. You guys put on clothes, but you're never warm. Like you, you earn all this money and wages and you put it in a purse, but there's holes in the bottom of your purse. So just go straight through. Like you guys are always just discontent. You always are wanting more. Have you guys ever felt dissatisfied like this? I know I have. I raised my hand. I think that's just how the, the way the world works, right? We just always kind of want more. No matter what the Israelites did, they wanted more. But check this out. Look what, look what God tells them in response to their hearts. It's so crazy. In verse 7, this is what it says. Um, it says on verse 8, Go up into the mountains and bring down timber and build my house so that I may take pleasure in it and be honored, says the Lord. So God challenges them to go build his house so that he may be honored and he may take pleasure. 
He said, no longer will you guys be living for yourselves because all you want is more. I want you to do this thing for me. I want you to build my house so that I may take pleasure in it. God here successfully takes them out of the equation. It's not about them, but it's about God's honor, about his pleasure. Is this the posture that we have today? To to live in such a way that will just bring honor to the king. To bring, to bring him glory and pleasure. Because our society, I know I mentioned it earlier, our society teaches us the opposite is true, correct? That the whole universe revolves around me, myself, and I. And you see this all over. There's like self-help books. There's um, the American dream mindset. There's, there's literally a device called a selfie stick whose sole purpose is to take pictures of the self. Like, they hold it all. That, that is the definition of just focusing on the self. But the reality is, guys, the we are not as important as we think. And before you kind of get all defensive about that, like, I, I want to share this little graphic that uh, one of my professors shared with me um, when I was back in college and it, it kind of helped me kind of put things in perspective. So here's a, a picture of, of the Milky Way and uh, here's an arrow and it says, you are here. Like we're so microscopic in comparison to the grand scheme of things, right? We're just this small speck of dust in comparison to the vastness of the universe. We're so, so small, but sometimes we think we're so, so big. That everything is about us. In Colossians chapter 3, verse, six, verse 16, I love this. This is what it says. For in him all things were created. Things in heaven and on earth. Visible and invisible. Whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities. All things have been created through him and for him. The, the takeaway from the scripture is clear. It's, it's about him. We could read this, this scripture again and replace him with Jesus. For in Jesus, all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible. Whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, all things have been created through Jesus and for Jesus. We are living for Jesus, not for ourselves. To bring honor to Jesus, not for ourselves. Because, guys, we serve a God that is just bigger than us like we are his creation and he is the creator and we need to have a sober mindset of this okay chris like god is bigger than us but then what's what's the point if we're just this microscopic speck of dust in the universe what's the point like why why live what's the purpose how can we bring honor to the king if we're just so small compared to him Check out this verse in, in Romans chapter 12 that I really love. One of my favorite scriptures, actually. In Romans chapter 12, verse 1, it says, Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Like, Isn't that like, like wow. That our, our purpose in this life is to offer our bodies as a living sacrifice. That we are broken vessels here to bring God glory, not glory to ourselves. 
Everything that we do, everything that we say, every decision that we make should be done in honor of the king. We're offering our bodies, our entire beings, every fiber in us should be dedicated to Christ. And there should be a reverence and an awe that we have each and every single day if we understand our purpose in this life is him, Jesus. That our posture should be, God, I, I want to I live this life just, just for you. How can I live in a way that brings you glory, honor, and praise? Is this a priority of yours? Because this is something that the Israelites lost sight of, right? They just wanted more. And they got stuck in this circular just trap of dissatisfaction and discontentment. But I think it's because they were living for themselves and they weren't living their true purpose. Instead of bringing satisfaction and pleasure to our king, they're living for themselves. And of course, they will never be satisfied because we were never meant to live for ourselves. Does that make sense? I, I really I really hope I'm making making sense but I love what it says here. It just helps redirect our hearts to where our priority should be. Church, how are you doing in bringing God glory? Is, is this a priority of yours or has it become more of a, if I have time, if I have time, I can bring God glory, but I got to do this a little bit. And then if I have time, I can go and, and bring God glory. So another practical I want to leave you guys with is, uh, is really simple. Don't be too busy. Don't be too busy. Just just make time in your day just to be a living sacrifice. Do something that isn't for you for once. Do something that can please our king. You guys with me? Priority number three, let's continue on. In Haggai chapter 1, we're going to pick up in verse 12. This third point is cling to God's presence. Cling to God's presence. This is what it says. Verse 12, Then Zerubbabel, son of Sheatil, Joshua, son of Josedak, the high priest, and the whole remnant of the people obeyed the voice of the Lord their God and the message of the prophet Haggai, because the Lord their God had sent him, and the people feared the Lord. Then Haggai, the Lord's messenger, gave this message of the Lord to the people. I am with you, declares the Lord. So the Lord stirred up the spirit of Zerubbabel, son of Sheatil, governor of Judah, and the spirit of Joshua, son of Josedach, the high priest, and the spirit of the whole remnant of the people. They came and began to work on the house of the Lord Almighty, their God, on the 24th day of the sixth month. So after God challenges his people, we see the Israelites obey the Lord and thank the Lord they start rebuilding his house. But what I want us to focus on is what God says in verse 13. God gives them this this promise as a result of their obedience. He says, I am with you. And, you know, thinking about this this phrase, God, I'm with you, I feel like sometimes we can, that has become kind of a cliche. I don't know about you, at least for me, because we, we hear it all the time, don't we? We hear, okay, of course, God is with us. But think about the, the weight behind this statement when he, when he tells this to the Israelites. How much this meant to them. Because this decision to, to build God's house wasn't going to be an easy one. There's going to be people who the people who, who think the house should be built this way rather than the other. The building this temple is probably going to be inconvenient for many of them. The, the temple is going to cost them money. Uh, there was going to be aspects of the temple the people didn't 
maybe like or necessarily agree with. Just there's going to be some challenges along the way. But I believe that the glue that held everything together for these men and women was these four words, I am with you. I think this this gave them the confidence, the, the boost of confidence that they needed to, to build God's house no matter their circumstances, no matter what was put their way. I came across this quote, this quote that was so powerful. It's from, from Mother Teresa that I want to share. I feel like it has some, some bearing here when it comes to God's presence and God being there and being with us. Mother Teresa said, when I was weary, you helped me find rest. When I was anxious, you calmed all my fears. When I was homeless, you opened your doors. When I was naked, you gave me your coat. She goes on to say, when I was a Negro or Chinese or white and mocked and insulted, you carried my cross. When I was aged, you bothered to smile. When I was restless, you listened and cared. You saw me covered with spittle and blood. You know my features, though grimy with sweat. When I was laughed at, you stood on by my side. When I was happy, you shared in my joy. Mother Teresa understood that God was with her. She clung to God's presence through the hills and the valleys of her life. Do you believe that God is with you? Are you clinging to his presence when you're weary, restless, or afraid? Because he, he, he wants to be with you. He wants to be with us. He wants to walk with us. Because this promise I am with you. It wasn't just for the Israelites. God gave this promise to, to you and I as well. I think of scriptures like Matthew 11, when Jesus says, Come all who are weary and burdened, I will give you rest. In James 4, draw near to God and he will draw near to you. Romans chapter 8, For I'm convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any power, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus, our Lord. God is with us. I guess the question is, are you making it a priority to cling to his presence? Are you making efforts to be with him, to understand this promise that he is with you? Do you believe that, church? Because this, this is hard, though. This is extremely hard because sometimes I can't feel God. I like, I try my best. Like I want to, I want to be close to him, but sometimes I just, I just can't feel him. Don't you guys wish that God would just come down and just talk to us? What's up, Chris? How are you doing today? <laughs> I wish, I wish God could just kind of hold my hand like physically through life because I, I need him. And sometimes I actively seek out his presence, but sometimes I just, I can't, I can't hear him. And if you, if you need some help in this area or you just don't know what it looks like to cling to God's presence, I know that's kind of a foreign phrase. Uh, but trust me, I, I am not the end all. I'm still trying to figure it out. <laughs> um, but I, I've, in my walk and as I've, I've learned, I've, I have these three things that helps me. And again, this is just what helps me that I want to share with you. If, if you have something else, amen, you go and do it. Um, or share with us. You can post it on the chat uh, if you're watching on YouTube or Facebook. I love to kind of hear your thoughts, but here's some things that help me, and I hope and I pray that this helps you. Uh, one of the things that I, I I like to do, and this is going to be legendary. You guys ready for this? 
one of the things that I do to cling to God's presence is read the Bible. What? Chris, no way. That's crazy. Yes, read the Bible. And that's such a, just a, the best place to start, I think. Um, it's just to, to read, uh, to read about the men and women of our faith that, that went through similar stuff as us. Different, obviously, this was thousands of years ago, but we can relate to them in, in so many ways. And most importantly, we learn about God's character in the Bible. It's a, it's an amazing book full of rich history and people who messed up just like us. <laughs> um, but that's a great place to start to, to cling to, to God's presence. Number two, I think it's really awesome to, to meditate and, and pray. And what I mean by that is try to, try to get some alone time with God. I call them my dates with God. I try to make them all like cool and, and different because they, that's you're you're spending time with the Creator, right? But try to try to get alone time. And I listen to worship music. I walk around my neighborhood or just my house and just have worship music blasting, and just close my eyes and just meditate on on who He is and meditate on the words. Um, but that that helps me a lot to to really feel God's presence. Another thing that I like to do, too, is, is to include him in every aspect of your day. Include him in every aspect of your day. Because we serve a God that is omnipresent. Now, it's kind of a fancy name, too. Omnipresent, which basically means God is everywhere. He's present always. Which means he's with you wherever you go. And sometimes I feel like we have this misconception that God is only with me when I spend time with him in the morning for my morning devotionals and after that, it's all by myself. Like, no, like God is God is with you. So when you're at your work and your your boss is just going in on you for something because you messed up, and um, you can have little prayers like God, I pray that you can give me patience so I don't just hit this guy in the face or something like that. Just please give me strength. Um, or even on on awesome times when you're driving home and there's literally no traffic for some reason, you can thank God like God, oh, thank you so much. There's no traffic, but you know, involve Him in every aspect of your day, and I and I promise you you'll start to feel his presence. You'll start to feel him with you. And again, those are just three things and there are so many other things we could do. Share them. Share them with me. If you, if you have something that's just next gen, like it's going to be just crazy, call me. I would love to hear because I'm trying my best to. I'm, I'm learning. I'm, I really want to cling to God's presence, but I know, I know it's not easy. But clinging to his presence should be a priority. You guys with me? So I know we went through a lot. Um, there's a lot of th- different things that we, we talked about, but we just, in our fight to build up God's kingdom, we need to remember where our priority should be. And we learn from the Israelites who misplaced their priorities, just like many of us. We're not so different from them. We learn from the Israelites where our priority should be. Three different things. Number one, we got to build God's house. We got to build the kingdom of Jesus by preaching Jesus. Number two, we got to bring honor to the king. That we got to remember that we're so small compared to God, but we're here to bring him glory and pleasure. And lastly, we got to cling to God's presence that he is with us. And we got to prioritize making sure that we include him in every aspect of our day. Amen. Right now, we're going we're gonna to transition a little bit. This is a time of our service where we uh, get the opportunity to take communion. If you don't know what this is, it's, it's a time to reflect on, on the cross, what Jesus did on the cross, and the sacrifice he made 
for every single one of our sins. And we get uh, to take some bread and, and to drink some juice as we remember the body and the blood of Jesus. You know, Jesus was a man of priorities. He not only prioritized his relationship with his father, but he prioritized his relationship with you and I. He loved us and prioritized us so much so that he died for us. In Romans chapter 5, verse 6, it says, You see, at just the right time when we were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. Very rarely will anyone die for a righteous person, though for a good person someone might possibly dare to die. But God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Let's remember the sacrifice Jesus made on the cross. Let's pray for communion. Father, we come before you humbled and desperate for you and your mercy. Thank you for reminding us where our priority should be. Help us be men and women who seek you out first and foremost to make sure that we are clinging to you for dear life because we know, I know, Father, that this life can be difficult. But I pray that we can help, can help us remember you. I pray that this time we can remember your son and his sacrifice on the cross. Help us remember the blood that he shed for our sins and be so grateful, Father, of what you did. God, I love you. And I pray all these things in your son Jesus' name. Amen. God be the glory.